I was supposed to announce this a while ago, so I will do it now, but I don't have one of the books up here with me. But we are, and you saw it up on the screen, having at 9.15 to 10.15 uh, community groups, if you will, around renovation of the heart and daily practice. There's one, just, just raise it up there. There's one right there. And so we've got a few of those left out there, but even if, I know some of you took them last week, got those, and you're not planning on being there, that's fine too. But I just, I just want to say, and that, that book for me, as I've said, and you've heard me say it, I guess, maybe more than you want to hear if you've been here often. It's a transformational understanding for me. The first day, and I won't go into the story of how it has impacted my life. It's been told here before how it initially did, and I may tell it again, probably someday again, okay? But when I opened that book the first time on day one, back 10 years ago almost, it was in a very dark time for me, a very short period of darkness, but a day. Wasn't completely sure why I was there, but this book opened up and day one called Kingdom Possibilities. I just want to read this as we get into where I'm headed today. So when we open ourselves to the New Testament writings and absorb our minds in Ephesians or 1 Peter, we get the impression we're looking into another world, another life. It is a divine world and a divine life. Leafing off from the pages are amazing promises to those who give their life to this new world through their confidence in Jesus. For example, Jesus says those who give themselves to him will receive living water. The Spirit of God himself, he will keep from ever being thirsty again, being driven and ruled by unsatisfied desires. Indeed, they will receive rivers of living water flowing from the center of their life to a thirsty world. Do you ever open Scripture and it feels like it's a different world to you? And you go, I want that world. I want to live there. Lord, help me get there. Well, this study is to help do that. But today, what I'm going to do, because there's so many people that have come new over the last many months and, and since we've been back open, I guess, the first of the year. I know some have come and gone, but often, and I, and I do this based on the fact of years ago, I heard Rick Warren, uh, Purpose Driven Life, Saddleback Church in California, he said that he, he preaches their mission and vision every 26 days. Every 26 days. And I'm like, I'm sure he doesn't do it the same way every time, obviously. He takes a different bent to it, a different look to it. And I haven't preached on this in a while, so bear with me as we work through this today. However, he said the reason he does it, he calls it mission leak or vision leak. Now, this happens in our own lives. When we set a set of principles, we, we make a decision of how we're going to live, but if we don't keep coming back to it, we don't keep reminding ourselves of what we believe and nail that down and make sure it's in, depths of, in the depths of our heart and soul, it leaks. And if you're not careful, it'll leak out a lot. He takes that out of Nehemiah every 26 days. It took 52 days for Nehemiah and him to build a wall. You can go back in the Old Testament and read that story. Awesome story. Nehemiah's a great leader. But at 26 days in, the people had kind of given up. Now, I say given up, but they had lost track of why they were doing what they were doing. And Nehemiah has to remind them 
This is why we're doing what we're doing. Now, I could preach a whole small series on that whole wall issue and uh, in Nehemiah and talking through that and may do that again uh, someday. But I love that thought. Of, and then he ends up putting what a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other. Let's get back to work. But we just have to be reminded because if not, it leaks. It leaks. So that's why we're going to do that, this today. And if, if some of it will be, like I said, new to many of you. Most of it will just be a reminder of why we as a, a church here at Renovation at 5604 North 24th Street, why we are here. Because it is easy to think we're here for other reasons. Now, I do want to show this picture. Some of you may not know, we came over in 2012. We actually remodeled most of this campus. We shut it down for almost a year, nine months or so. I don't know if we have a couple of slides here. This was the sanctuary before. Most of you may have remember attending here with it like that. Yeah, it's okay, and it worked. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but we felt like moving here, we needed to change it a little bit. So obviously, I don't know if we have the next slide. It looks a little different. From, the, from that moment. Now, we took this and we've done it across the campus because we felt like that in order to bring it forward, we had to do some significant updating. Obviously, we've kept part of it. You can see here we kept the, 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 the center block walls, center block walls outside. We could have painted it like a lot of churches around town, especially mega churches. They're actually really cool-looking churches and all the paint on them and the different colors and the yellows and the purples and all those kind of things. I like it. But we didn't believe it fit for this building in this location. Being in the Biltmore, we wanted to feel like it, it belonged here and, 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 and tried to embrace the original, original architecture, so we did and tried to update it. And so that's what we've done, and so it's throughout the campus. The only place it really hasn't gotten it, just if you're here new, is the gymnasium, and there's some thoughts around what that might could look like down the road, and so we're, we're talking about that. But I just wanted you to know that it wasn't just the fact that, and it was the Biltmore Church of the Nazarene at the time, and there's a long story in some ways behind that, but I won't go into that today. But this church was put here in 19, built here in 1970, and it's been around since 1929, and it was called uh, uh, Eastside Church of the Nazarene, which is down at uh, Osborne and 24th Street. So that's where it originated. So that's kind of our little bit of a backstory. We are part of the Church of the Nazarene, if you don't know that. And so uh, that's, that's something we're very, right way to say it, proud of uh, and glad we are part of. We're a part of a, a, a denomination that's in 160 world areas. So when we give here, we've got an opportunity to impact around the world in unique ways. Now, we can pick specific targets to do, but we, and, and what I mean is projects or whatever, locally, and they don't have to be Nazarene. So don't, don't feel like that way, uh, that we do it that way. But we do feel like that God has put us here to be a light, not only here in this part of uh, Phoenix, but also around the world. And being a part of the Church of Nazarene allows us to do that. So a few things here I want to go over and just kind of, and again, it may not feel like a preaching message today, but I hope it does in some ways. I hope it is helpful to you, not only to know about who we are, But if who we are is not making a difference in who you are and why we're here, then it really doesn't make any sense. So hopefully by doing this, it 
does reflect back on each of our lives. Because as I studied over this again, I'm reminded, I've got to come back, even as the leader here, I've got to come back, or the vision leaks. And you begin to forget why you were here in the first place. But renovation, the word renovation, obviously, if you see the book, Renovation of the Heart, we did not intentionally, just so you know, as much as I love Dallas Willard, and those who know Dallas Willard, uh, have followed Dallas Willard, of course, he passed away a few years ago. He was a professor of philosophy at University of uh, Southern California for years and years and years, but an unbelievable theologian that I hold with probably as high as regard as anybody I know that I don't know. How about that? <laughs> that I didn't know. Uh, but I don't put him up there with Jesus. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But his depth and his teaching just resonated with me. And this book, I hope, along with Jen Johnson, who writes the devotional with it, would do that for you. So we didn't start out to name the church Renovation because of the book. It came around a while later. But the word renovation means, in Latin, is renovare. To be made new. To bring vigor and life. You know anybody that needs that? <laughs> to restore, to bring back from its original intent. Can you imagine? Here's the problem with renovation. Can you imagine the local government, federal government, your HOA, whoever, who has some authority over your home, come knocking on your door, And you open the door and they go, we've come to renovate your house. I don't want my house renovated. I like my house. I've renovated before. It's messy. You're in the middle of it going, I don't want to do it. I wish I just left it the way it was. Anybody ever been there? You're just going, it's just been better off leaving it alone because it's just... Because they have authority, they do it. Have you ever been an unwilling participant in God's renovation of your life? You didn't ask for it. Matter of fact, you were just fine the way it was. You're just fine the way it is. But here comes the renovation project. Now, my advice is to Kurt Gentry and to any of you, as soon as you realize that God is up to a renovation, join in. And what I realize with God so many times is he will not force that. He will put circumstances in place where you have to look at it. He will allow things and circumstances to go on where you've got to go, okay, what is going, if you'll look at it, what is going on here? But he will also let you continue the way you want to continue. And what's the problem with as I used to tell my kids, you can choose your choices, but you can't always choose your consequences. 
So when God comes to renovate, and that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. That's the deal. God comes to transform. We'll get into that in a minute. He comes to transform because he wants you to be more like him. And sometimes he can't work on that till he gets this figured out, till you work through that. And once you get there, now you're ready to be changed to there. So renovation. Often. We seek it, and that's awesome that you're already crying out to the Lord. Lord, help me to be more like you. Can you imagine praying the prayer? Lord, not praying a prayer for a house or a car or for things of that nature, but going through the, the, the if you took every day and you took the fruit of the Spirit, you took the nine and you took those and prayed over every one of those each day. And Lord, I want those promises. I want those in my life. I don't know if I ever have a nice house or a big car or an extra car or anything like that, but I want those. I want those. So the renovation doesn't always come the way we predict. And it doesn't mean that God is always going to give new circumstances. Oh, you wanted this circumstance? Oh, I, I love you so much. I'll give you that. Sometimes our circumstances don't change. It's us that's got to change in the middle of the circumstances. Because the circumstances may never change. But you can. So it leads us to our renovation logo. Supposed to be the color of a construction sign. Close. And as we were talking about it one day, Allie and Josiah and I talking through it, the big thing that came out of it was, you know, when you're, when you're having a construction zone, we, we were working out in the gymnasium, doing some things out there, and we had a sign up, and it said, pardon our mess, we are under construction. And I came along one day, I think it was, and just saw it and marked it out. Pardon our mess, we were under renovation. And it began to make sense that you put a, 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 a construction sign up, the pieces are broken, representing the world, then in the brokenness of people, each one of us, and the cross is the bridge to all of them. That's what it represents. So when you see it, I hope you look at the, the logo a little different. It's not just cool, and it is, okay? But... But, and it's iconic. It's all those things. No. But there's a purpose behind it. There's a why. So our vision is to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation to be salt and light where we're engaged and influ influential. Our hope is and our hope has always been, and I think we see some effect of that. We don't always, but it, our, our hope is, is that's the future. That's what our church will look like. That's what people who attend renovation will look like as they come through here, whether they get sent off elsewhere or wherever they go, okay? But they are influenced. They're salt and light where they're already engaged and influential at the soccer field, at your workplace. One of the things I appreciate is I was listening yesterday about Steve is his impact in his workplace. The same person each place. There's not 
hey, I'm, I've got a mission for God. There's, and there's just not these things that this is spiritual and this is my time. No, it's all spiritual. It's all yours. Everywhere you go, every word you say, it's yours. And sometimes you say words and you deal with people on the phone or whatever and you get this little tap. You feel like going, yeah, that's not the way I want to be represented. So there's these convictions that help us go, okay, Lord, let me get back on track. That may have sounded like a confession there. I don't know, but. But Jesus says, those who give themselves to him will receive living water. What a vision. Those unsatisfied desires will be taken care of. And they'll never be thirsty again. And you will be the conduit to a thirsty world. I don't know what your vision is for all, but that's a tremendous vision for your life. As you're a conduit for being a stream of living water. Our mission statement, and I'll be I'm honest on this. We got this from a lot of places. Uh, or I say a lot of places, a couple of places, I shouldn't say a lot of places. One of them was from uh, Irving McManus in his un- book Unstoppable Force was part of it, and the other one was from Dallas Willard in the definitions of each one of them. But it is to live by faith, known by love, and be a voice of hope. This comes out of 1 Thessalonians 1. I'm going to read verse 3 here. Well, you can, we can read all of it. I think you've got it all up there. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us, influencers. It sounds like Paul and Silas. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message into the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So you became a model to all the influences in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. You have become famous because of what you're doing. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. To live by faith. Or, uh, Dallas Willard says, Faith, it is a confidence in the unseen good grounded in reality. It's more than theology. I love what Brian Houston says about faithfulness. Because faith is God's work in us. Faithfulness is on our end. He said, faithfulness is holding on to your 
uh, on, onto your purpose and trusting in God's goodness in the midst of all the peaks, celebrations, and mountaintops, as well as the trials, temptations, and tragedies that life throws at you. This is how you grow, grounded in grace. This is sometimes difficult, and I will speak for myself. It's sometimes difficult to believe, but you know it's true, that to continue to believe that God has a greater future than anything that's been in the past. Whatever is in front of you, because he's trying to transform us, he's trying to change us, and when we allow him to have those renovations, small or large, he is moving us to a different place than we were before, than we ever were before. Even though some things may be harder, If we're tra- being transformed into his likeness, then it's always going to be better. Obviously, this ends in heaven when we'll never be fully transformed into his likeness, but this desire to walk by faith means that whatever's going on is for my good somehow or another. To be more like Christ. And the value of transformation is one of our values here at Renovation. Our three values are, are, are transformation, mercy, and community. The transformation is one of the hardest things. I don't have the slides up here, my Barna slides, or anything along that line that, that I often use. One of the hardest things. First, I think the hardest thing, you can lead all kinds of different organizations. You can lead people, many people lead thousands. Sometimes you lead in your home. But one of the hardest things you'll ever do in transformation is lead yourself. I'd rather try to tell you what to do. I'd rather, try, I'd rather look with lenses that I can point out what needs to happen in your life. But one of the hardest things is looking in my own life and asking that question, God, what are you doing in me? What do you want to do in me? Because sometimes when we look into our life, we find monsters in there. <laughs> we find things we don't want there. But both of them are hard, leading yourself and leading others, especially in transformation because, again, we can get in a mold, a, 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 a lane and say, okay, if I just do this, this, and this, church attendance, giving maybe, volunteering some, well, the, I'm in. When the desire, and I've been going back this week reading again, different books that I've been read over the years, Returning to Holiness. Without it, without it, you will not see God. So transformation is critical. But Jesus promises Rivers of living water flowing from the center of our lives. I don't believe he would promise that 
I think it's 2 Corinthians talks about the promises of Jesus are yes. So when we come to Christ, these promises, if you knew the promises of God were all, uh, that, that there's already a yes attached to those promises, why wouldn't you take this scripture and figure out, I, I've, I've read between 3,500 3, and some people say 7,000, I don't know how many promises there are in here. If you knew they were a yes, Why would you not look for them? But it's easy to just check some boxes. But transformation is critical. Not only for our world and everybody that comes in contact with you, but for you. Known by love. This is Willard's definition. We love others when we promote their good. And we wish them well. You love your neighbor by treating that person regardless of who they are the way that you want to be treated. First Peter 4.8, above all, keep your love for one another constant because love covers a multitude of sins. Our value of mercy, Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Mercy and compassion, we talk about this often, you know, one of the biggest challenges, I think, to true discipleship is exhaustion and distraction. And one of the things about exhaustion is you become very self-focused. You become undisciplined. And it's hard to have mercy and compassion. It literally means you feel it in your bowels. You, you literally, it's, it's so deep within you. You sense the, 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 the weight of what that person's carrying and for the people around you. And not where it's like sucks the whole life out of you, but you sense that. But when you're exhausted and you're distracted, it's hard to take that mercy. Yeah, you, you will at times give someone a little compassion, but it's more, but this is more than on occasion giving a dollar here or there or on occasion patting somebody on the back or on occasion praying for somebody. This is a way of life. That your eyes are up, and we talked about, I used to tell teenagers all, all the time, get your head up and ask for the eyes of Christ. Just let that be your prayer. As you walk through the world each day, keep your head up. Of course, that was before cell phones, okay? So I don't even know how that would work today, but I'm just saying, your head up in the eyes of Christ for God to lead you. Because one of the quickest ways to get your focus off of you is give yourself away. But as a church, to have that heart of mercy, and the voice of hope, 
It is the anticipation of unseen good not yet here. One of the challenges, I think, I think even over this last year or so has been, it was kind of funny, not not funny, but, you know, 15 days to stop, you know, then another month, you know, maybe by the fall we'll be out, you know, okay, maybe by first of the year, maybe by next season. You know, you kind of go through these things of going, you just kept hoping. And it drags out, and you get exhausted. And if you're not careful, the leak, the vision leak, the personal leak of hope begins to leak out. When you're dependent on other people to give you hope, instead of looking to the one that can only give you hope. Because everything in this world is temporary. I mean, what I mean by that is, we're only here for a short period of time. James says we're as a mist, here today, going tomorrow. So everything is temporary in that sense, in light of eternity. Everything. And so we need to be looking to one who holds eternity in the balance for the hope. But it's hard. If you get a diagnosis, a little OCD, you Google it to death, don't you? Because you're looking for your hope elsewhere. Doesn't mean you don't need to be informed. But if you're not careful, that's what happens. And it leaks. But one thing I'm convinced of, God is not waking up every day. The reason why I can, can continue to walk and continue to move forward and you can continue to walk continue to move forward is because God's not waking up one day trying to figure out what to do with you. He's, he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you and he wants you to just draw near to him. So he draws near to you. Because we need to be a place and that's the thing I think is so concerning at times and, and again I'm not just preaching to you guys is that are we a place are we because our third value is community are we a location are we a people where when people show up there is hope found here that we are people of hope not just people of, of faith people of love but people of hope not just hope in the sense that you know everything will be better someday I want to look at somebody's life and say man I see it's messed up but I have I have a God I believe if you allow him to work this there is great hope for your life it's not just hope for my life it's hope for your life and to be a part of a community with that Konania where it's a place where people can come and feel that and sense that when they walk in maybe they drive by the campus. They, walk on, they drive on this asphalt. Somehow or another, there's a sense of hope. You know, we're in a world today. There's so much conflict. 
where people refuse to listen to other people. Anybody in another camp, whether it's political, social, ethnic, But we as a people of God don't love people because of diversity. We love people because of sameness. You're created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. And that's sacred. And I know it's hard to live in community. Because everybody in community won't think like I think. Right? Wouldn't it just be better if everybody kind of did what I did? But it isn't true. In community, the most annoying people are there. (laughs) Not all of them. But some of them. And you get to practice this. Because if everybody was like you, anybody can love their, their friends. But Jesus says, love those that are not like, love your enemies. Because you can't do that without me. Second Corinthians 5 tells us, and we, we won't read the whole thing here for time. But it says Christ's love compels us. It should drive us. It should drag us out of bed in the morning and push us out the door if we're going out the door. Many of you working home, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) That we are ministers of reconciliation. We're to be drawing men and women, young and old, all groups, back to him. And then back to each other. Community. One of the statements yesterday in Steve's memorial that stuck out with me, I wrote it down. There's still work to be done. There's still work to be done. I appreciate Francis Chan. Josiah, you guys come on down. You can do communion. heard him say this a few years ago at PowerCon 2014 out at Point Loma and I'm paraphrasing I think because I didn't get it word for word but it's close he said I really mean if this faith we talk about is the deciding factor and is the ultimate and only healer of individuals marriages, families, cultures, a nation or the world we have to come to a sobering conclusion either there are individual lives marriages, families, cultures, nations or a world at stake or they are not. And if they are not, let's go do something else with our lives. If they are not, it really makes no sense for us to meet. But if this faith is a deciding factor and is the ultimate and only healer of all these mentioned, then we need to take this real serious and get busy. There's work to be done. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, but with power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction, you became a model. By living by faith, known by love, and a voice of hope.
As I said earlier, James 4, 8 says, Scripture says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. But it's the second part of that passage as we go to communion that keeps us from drawing close. Because John, I mean James 4, 8, B says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That didn't sound like a blessing for sure, right? But we got to keep coming back. What's crept in? What's leaked? Because I believe this. We desperately need to draw near to God. The more I seek you, the more I find you. And just stay on that direction until we know that God is drawing us near and allow His presence to literally change everything about our lives. You cannot be in the presence of God and remain the same. It is impossible. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. It is simple yet so profound. When I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. Lord, as we move into time of preparation for the Lord's Supper, we want to draw near and just have this heart of gratitude and thankfulness. But Lord, if we allowed other things to creep in or some things to leak, if you will, I pray that you'd just give us in these moments almost like there's a movie screen in our minds. I know that's a downgrade from our mind, Lord. I get it. But just areas, maybe even our prayer life, although we know there's times of supplication, there's times confession and being in all of you and being so thankful but Lord we come before you today I pray in this room and those listening online that if there's anything that we're holding on to that's stopping us that's paralyzing us from being and drawing near to you, Lord. Help us right now to identify it because that's the place we start. Then begin to move forward however that is and however you want that to be. 
But we don't come to the table today, Lord, haphazardly. We come today with reverence. Adoration. just a thankful heart that you went to the cross for us that this life that we read off the page here of kingdom possibilities that we look into a new world a divine world and a divine life that's what we desire as we draw near to you that we would be living water to a thirsty world Thank you now for this time, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you would now take the elements, and I'm going to read something so, so you're prepared. It's from Ann Voskamp and called The Broken Way. I've read it here before, but just every time I read it, as I was reading it this week. Continually make the ever-present Christ. Continually make the ever-present Christ present. Continuously re-remembering the sweetness ran in the brokenness. <clears throat> in shattered places with broken people. We are most near the broken heart of Christ and find out our whole selves through the mystery of death and resurrection to the mystery of brokenness and abundance. We are the body sustained by his brokenness, his givenness sustained by the Last Supper that for centuries is simply called Thanksgiving. Take now. Bread represents his body. Take it to the comfort. Lord, as we about to drink the juice, not only are we thankful for the blood that was shed, we're thankful for the power of the blood that allows us to overcome. But we drink it now in remembrance of what you've done for us. Lord, as we close this service, I pray that we re-remember of why this church is here. We re-remember that in our own lives we have values and standards and striving in the direction of drawing near to you until you are completely done with us. And Lord, we know that will be in heaven someday, but being renovated even if we don't ask for it. Lord, help us quickly understand that this is a renovation from you. Not a wrecking ball by the enemy. Help us, Lord, 
to be everything you imagined when we were born. Lord, I have a feeling if we could imagine what you imagine, our minds would be pretty blown. And Lord, today, if someone in this room has never accepted you as Savior, to get on that track, I pray this day they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you were who you say you were and you are who you say you are. You died on that cross and raised from the dead. They confess with them that they shall be saved. And Lord, for some today, if they've walked as the old song says, 10,000 steps away. It's only one step back. They fall into your arms. Thank you for this day, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.